Welcome to the Yarn Barn. G'day and welcome to the Yarn Barn. We're here for another episode of In the Yarn Barn and we're with Andrew Wabry. G'day, mate. How are you? Good, mate. How are you? Good, good. I'm doing well. That's good. Yes. Great to be here after listening oh. to uh, our Treasurer's podcast the other day. So, very good. Mm. Very good. Yes. Um, and, you know, for all the ones playing at home, uh, the second Treasurer that we have had in the Australian Dads Network organisation um, followed you know the first inaugural member that we had as a treasurer was yourself yes and uh, was, so yes. nick is nick is following in some uh, some big shoes to fill well as long as he keeps the book solid that's all we really care about as a management committee but you just got to keep <laughs> on uh, on top of you mate and i did pick up your slight little uh slight little comment about my receipts in the uh, in nick's podcast so my receipts are all clear mate <laughs> unlike yours yeah <laughs> yeah we won't go into that. Um, no, this being a public no. uh, public forum, um, the ACNC might be uh, listening in and Correct. and choose to audit us. <laughs> we don't need tax implications or anything like that. So, no. All right. Very good. Cool. Well, hey, I appreciate you uh, you dialing in from all the way over there in Melbourne. Um, I mean, I think we're probably as far apart as possible. I mean, I could probably get up to Broome and you could probably get down to Tassie, but, you know, fairly yeah. speaking, we're, we're as far across the country as we can. Yeah. So uh, hopefully the internet doesn't um, doesn't freak out on us like it did with uh, Nick and I the first session we had. Um, so before we get started, what do you uh, what do you know? Tell us something that we don't know about you. Let's go straight off the bat. What do you don't know? I have recorded three original songs of my own mm. that I wrote. Can I guess the genre? You could, yes. I'm thinking something it. something like, um, you know, rock pop. It's more acoustic, actually. Oh, right, more okay. acoustic. So I like the old um, <laughs> acoustic guitar and acoustic um or not acoustic but acoustic guitar and keyboard so um mm. yes i've had uh, i've had three songs that i've written uh one one was about my brother um one was about my partner and the other one was just when i was in a really deep and dark place going through my first transplant um i wrote this really weird song um and i'm the only person who's ever heard it after i recorded it so um it will probably see the, never see the light of day that one uh, but the other two, um, yeah, a lot of people have heard. So, mm-hmm. awesome. Well, that's it. No, uh, we've been connecting for a number of years now, and I've never heard that. So, uh, right. I am looking forward to maybe you could send us one of those recordings, and we could we could play it on the on the podcast when we do the when we do the recording. That'd be cool. We could no maybe pressure. Do that, or you yeah. could record a new one. I could record a new one. Correct. Correct. Something about something about I don't know, Sean or Nick or someone on the committee that you you uh you <laughs> you have a bit of banter with back and forward yeah probably sure so yeah that's cool. a good idea might be able to do that cool. mm-hmm. all right awesome well hey let's uh let's get back to the to the meat of it all what uh can you start off with a bit of a bit of background who's who is andrew who am i um 
Well, going back uh, the 21st of August 1973, the world as we know it changed forever at 2.21am in the morning. Uh, and from that moment on, pretty much it's like BC and AC. Um, in this case, it was BA and AA. So, um, yeah, I was born uh, born in Bethlehem Hospital uh, in Caulfield, uh, not in uh, Jerusalem. Um, and um, grew up, mum and dad, uh, brother. Um, and when I was three, I was diagnosed with a lung disorder, which was hereditary. Um, and so was my brother. Um, unfortunately, in 86, uh, he unfortunately passed away um, from cystic fibrosis, which is the illness we both have. Um, he There's over 365 different versions of cystic fibrosis, and he had one of the worst ones. And at that point in time, um, with my health, I had one of the, the lesser impacts on your life. I was still able to do everything like a normal kid, play cricket in 40-degree heat and have heat exhaustion and all that sort of stuff. And um you know play footy play basketball play badminton so i grew up with a pretty healthy lifestyle um but from basically 86 onwards grew up as an only child um and um it wasn't until uh going forward um left school hated school was no good at school um if there's any kids who ever listen to this um don't follow my lead um, work hard in school, as I tell my daughter all the time, um, to give yourself the most opportunities because you never know what you might need in the future. Anyway, joined the bank, uh, ANZ Bank, um, family business. Dad was in the ANZ Bank as well. Um, and then moving um, forward through that for uh, till 2014. During that time, I got married um, and, um, and had my, my now 16-year-old daughter, um, got divorced, left the bank, and that was about the time, um, probably about two years before I got divorced, um, I had my first double lung transplant, um, which was um, a very minor procedure. Um, actually, the second most difficult procedure you can have um, from a surgeon perspective. Um, and um, yeah, managed to whiz through that really easily. Um, was in ICU for less than 24 hours, was in hospital for less than um, 14 days, um, had the transplant on the, sorry, 16 days, had the transplant on the 15th of April 2010 and I was home sitting on my couch on the 31st of April 2010. So it was all really easy, everything went really well um, and, um, and that was great. Um, got a divorce two years later, um, and then that's when my health went downhill. Um, being a, uh, a single person, you don't necessarily look after yourself that well. Um, you know, all of us have been single at some point and lived on baked beans and toast, um, or Vegemite and toast, or whatever, or two minute noodles. Um, I was doing that, and that's not something that I can do. Um, you know, I, I know I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger um, or The Rock, uh, hence the apparel, uh, but not really. Underneath this, uh, I'm a scrawny little dweeb um, with not much fat or uh, muscle on me. So <coughs> um, fast forward through that. Um, and unfortunately, in 2000, started 2015, started dating my current partner. Um, and um, at the back end of 2015, unfortunately, um, those lungs from the stress of um, a very messy divorce, not looking after myself um, and just general wear and tear, I required a, a second one. 
Um, very lucky um, in that I crashed on the table three times during the procedure. Um, the original procedure that I had back in 2010 was a six hour operation. This turned into a um, 18 and a half hour operation. Um, one of the longest um, transplants they've ever done uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because I crashed, so three times they had to stop what they were doing, revive me um, and, um, and, uh, and bring me back. Um, and also, um, once they then get you stable, it takes a while for them to, you know, get back to what they were doing. Second part was my left lung um, had actually attached itself. It was that damaged and deflated. It had actually attached itself to my heart. Um, and so um, that required a lot of uh, intensive uh, work by the two surgeons working on that area to try and pull my lung away so they could take it out before putting the new ones back in. Um, and um, that was pretty much most of 2015, having a relationship that no one knew about, um, juggling my parents coming in and my girlfriend coming in so that they would never meet um, until um, one day my girlfriend was about to leave. Parents had come in earlier and my girlfriend's in her work uniform. She's a medical scientist. She's bending over giving me a kiss, which looked like it was someone from the hospital giving me a kiss. And my mum walks in and goes, what the hell's going on here? So that was a nice introduction for uh, for mum and dad to, to Belinda. Um, and I got out three days before Christmas. So that, that one was on the 23rd of October. And I pr practically spent two months in, in hospital. Um, mm. Leading up to today, um, where I am living in Abbotsford um, for the first time in... Uh, probably 10 years, I'm in my own place. I have my own place, my own space that I can call mine. I can come here whenever I want or I stay at my partner's depending on um, depending on what happens there. Um, she's got three kids um, and um, being a stepdad can be hard sometimes. So sometimes it's nice to have your own place. Um, and also with, um, with all the medical procedures I've had, um, that can take some uh some quite a lot of energy out of me and so sometimes you know you just need some downtime to be able to, to chill and relax so unfortunately over the last three and a half years um i have developed uh skin cancers on my face in particular um partly as a result of sun exposure when i was a kid um but also partly because of um the drugs or the antibiotics, I should say, not drugs, um, that they put you on um, uh, don't exactly help with, uh, they make the cancer come out quicker. So I may have ended up with cancer when I was 80 instead I've got it when I was um, 46. So I spent the last three years, 25 operations during lockdown, pretty much did most of it myself because over here in Melbourne, um, for those of you who aren't from Melbourne and, and don't know. Um, we weren't allowed to have anyone in hospitals. Um, pretty much my partner or my dad would drop me at the front. I'd go in, have a procedure, come home two or three days later um, to my partners or my mum and dad's. But um, a couple of times there, I spent uh, two weeks in hospital. Um, and then June of last year, um, I was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, common, common theme um, for my life has been no matter what, don't give up. Um, and surprisingly, uh, in September of this year, having been diagnosed with cancer, terminal cancer, quit my job, um, told that 
Um, I pretty much had 12 months to live. So went and hired a fast car for a weekend, went to the Crown Casino here in Melbourne and got a suite with my best mate and his girlfriend and my girlfriend. Spent a crap load of money over a period of four months thinking, what the hell, doesn't matter. Um, but then on the flip side, um, September got told that I currently have no active cancer cells going around in my body. Um, so um, as one of my mates said, uh, you know, must be the luckiest bloke in the world to, um, to continually overcome um, life's challenges that I have had in front of me. Um, I think I'm, I'm a pretty positive person, um, but yeah, those, those around me will judge that more than I will. So. And that's where we are today, sitting in my apartment, uh, looking at the Collingwood clock that says it is uh, 5.50 on the Collingwood Town Hall. Uh, be a Carlton supporter, not the best place to be. Um, so I don't wear my Carlton jumper out at all. For all you Carlton supporters out there, you'll know what I mean, and AFL followers. Um, and it looks like it's about to rain any moment now. So that's me in a nutshell over the last 49 years. Um, and that's all we've got time with. So uh, Yeah, sorry thanks. about that. That's 45 minutes. <laughs> Oh man, there's so much in there, and I may have looked like I wasn't paying attention, but I was just writing some stuff down. Um, but yeah, I mean, firstly, the most important part is that that's probably the um, you know the best clock to look at from a Collingwood perspective. I'm a Collingwood supporter, as you know. I know, so, I know um, you are, hence why I mentioned I'll, it. Um, I will make sure that I ask you for the time on a regular basis moving forward, knowing that that will nice. be the clock that you have to see as a Carlton supporter, and it slowly, slowly annoys you. Or I could just look at my uh, clock on my microwave, but yeah, either way. No, that's not working. It's not accurate, so don't don't look at that one. Um, okay. <laughs> um, the Collingwood one's probably actually 10 or 15 years behind anyway, so don't worry about that. Um, about 2010. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um I mean, we've 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 talked a few times about and in, in our committee meetings and stuff, we've we've heard um, parts of your story, but not not all of your story. So, I mean, mm. firstly, thanks for sharing um, that. Even though it is in a nutshell, there's there is a ton of stuff in there, and you know, I think you're right. Like your mate was spot on. Like the level of adversity that you've overcome, um, you know, in in your lifetime is is pretty phenomenal and uh, you know when you think of even just the i mean the the um you know the, the first the first issues with um with your brother and, and and a lot of people don't overcome losing somebody let alone mm. you going through that you know going through life i imagine there was there was going through school and all that kind of stuff there was there was um you know sense of guilt or you know why him and all that sort of stuff that was going through your mind as well uh you know what as far as you know growing up in a situation like that what what was that what was that like yeah it's 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 a funny one um i um i heard once i had my my transplant actually they talk a lot about survivor's guilt um mm. because someone dies um and usually it's a an accident of some sort when you get a transplant um, and um, it's well known that people who have had transplants can actually have survivor's guilt because they feel bad that they've 
been given an opportunity to live through the demise of somebody else and someone else's loved ones. Um, so for a long time, um, I was really lucky in my group of friends, um, and a, uh, a couple of them are actually part of um, part of ADN, um, Lee and Martin. I was really lucky that um, I had a couple of really close friends um, when when Ben died, and um, and we never talked about it, but they were always just there. Um, and I was also lucky that my my mum's one of my mum's younger sisters. She has uh, twin boys and a younger boy, um, and um, they basically just adopted me like a brother. So I never felt alone, even though we were living in country Victoria, they were in Melbourne and, and whatever, I never felt alone, but it wasn't actually, I can, I can remember the exact moment that, um, that it really hit me that my brother had passed away. Um, I was 21. Um, I was living with my first serious girlfriend and um, we went over to my mum and dad's place for dinner as we did most weekends and uh, we started having a few drinks and whatever and <clears throat> Michelle was driving and before I knew it um, I was drinking port uh, which I have never had a drink of again since this moment uh, but effectively vomited all over my mum and dad's brand new um, carpet that they had laid uh, I think about two months before. Uh, so red port, uh, there wasn't enough salt in uh, in uh, in anywhere to get the amount of uh, port that was uh, in that uh, in that carpet. So, um, and that was the moment that it actually hit me that that my brother had died. Um, and so um, that took, and it was very funny in that my mum and dad. Um, my dad still to this day, and it's you know, 80, 86, what is that, nearly 40 years now, um, still to this day, if my mum and I are talking about my brother, my dad will get up out of the room and, and go to his room or, or wherever, or go outside or whatever. He just can't talk about it. Um, it was pretty devastating for my parents, but um, I knew I was loved. I knew I was um, cared for and we did stuff together as a family around that grieving time, but um, we never spoke about it. We never spoke about him dying um, because that was the easiest way for all of us, I think, more my parents, but to, to cope with the death of, of losing their son. Um, when when um, I was diagnosed, or when we were both diagnosed, um, the doctor who looked after me until I left the Royal Children's Hospital here in Melbourne actually said to my parents, um, so I was three at the time and my brother was just turned two, basically said, um, wrap your kids up, love them as much as you can, give them as much as you can, they'll be both lucky to make double figures. Um, so I kicked his ass by 39 years so far, so, um, mm -hmm. and hopefully I can keep doing that. But. Um, that sort of mum and dad always knew that that was going to happen, but it's still a shock when it happens. Oh, for sure. It's, um, yeah, I mean, couldn't imagine having those words come out of a doctor's mouth, you know, and um, as, mm. a, as a, a new parent. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, at any stage of parenting, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's, um, and then, you know, so, I mean, to fast forward, you know, then, then you've had those words said to you as well as an adult. So your parents yes. have heard a doctor say that about you as a kid and then, yep. you know, you, you fast forward a bit and now you all of a sudden you're sitting in that doctor's office and the doctor's saying pretty much the same words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's funny, I think um, 
look, I've, I don't know why, I don't know how, I've never gone out of my way to be optimistic about anything. But I suppose the easiest way, and I was really thinking about this when we went through the, the workshop with Mike, um, what was that, about 18 months ago? Mm. Um, and I've always, I've always just taken, I've always just taken when I get any news about my health, um, and for a bloke who's had over 95 operations and have had many times where I've been given bad news of varying levels, um, I just treat it like a process. And so I go away, um, as I did this day, and I remember as clear as mud, my mum had left 15 minutes before. You'd think that if a doctor was coming to tell you that you had terminal cancer, that someone might say to your mum, because she's it was had it was the only person I could have in there for that day for an hour. Hey, can you hang around? You can hang around for another half an hour or whatever. Doctor just wants to see Andrew. But anyway, I was left by myself, which on reflection was actually probably the best thing because I would have been worried about mum and how she was dealing with it. And, and I was glad my partner wasn't there. But um, I just treat it like a process. I just, I absorb it all. I take it all in. Um, many tears were shed um, on that day. Um, and then... I um, sat down with my doctors, I sat down with my team, um, saw the oncologist, all that sort of stuff, and said, all right, what do we need to do? And they said, right, we're going to do radiation therapy, blah, 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 blah. And they just kept saying to me, but you've got to realise this is terminal. This is not going to cure you. Um, this is just going to prolong your life. And I'm like, yep, no worries, cool. So I'd resigned myself to the fact, my partner had resigned herself to the fact that um, that, that was going to happen. Um but I just treat it like a process and I went in every day. I do everything that I need to do. Um, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time I do everything that they tell me to do. Um, and I'm just lucky that with everything that we talked about with my team around that, that um, I was able to do that. But um, I've never been a person to get back to your question. I've never been a person who has been overly down and sat there and gone, Oh, why me? Um, you know, why, why do, why do I keep, why have I had 90 odd operations? Why do I get, you know, why have I had two double lung transplants? Why did I have a feeding tube, um, before my second transplant? And, um, the doctor pierced my st stomach and I've lost half my stomach, um, and nearly died of septicemia. Um, why, you know, you can, yeah, I could be here all day asking, asking that question, but, um, the times that you're sitting there going why is times that you're not getting the information that you need to get yourself as healthy as possible as quick as possible um and then um i'm very process driven hence why i worked in operations and got um in the bank um in the fact of looking at the process and going okay this is the process i need to follow you know i've had up on my bedroom wall i've had flow charts of what i need to do for my health um to get myself through that um and as i said i've never been a I've always been a very positive and optimistic person. Um, you know, I saw my brother die at age 12. I've seen lots of other people die. I've seen my partners. Um, I didn't physically see it, but I knew him before he passed away um, and saw his kids lose their dad. Um, and the, one of the key drivers for me has been Belinda, um, my, my daughter Kari and Belinda's three kids to go I never want to put my daughter in the position like Belinda's kids are 
and I never want Belinda's kids to be in that position again where they're saying goodbye to someone that, you know, they've opened their hearts to and and see me as a stepdad. Um, but I've been like that from day one. So um, I don't know what genetic makeup I have had in me because my parents aren't positive in any way, shape or form. Um, but like I suppose what Nick said the other day about um, um, don't don't uh, yeah, something to do with your father's sins. Yeah, I've seen don't, that don't about continue yeah. your father's sins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always seen Dad being very negative um, when it comes to certain things. Not everything, but certain things. And so I always made. I think I. I think I subconsciously made the decision to um, to never be like that and to always look at the positive in everything. Um, as hard as that can be, sometimes. Hmm. It's um. I mean, it is it is hard sometimes to to do that for sure. I think um you know that. I think that balance of what you've just said then around um you know having to be against all odds, but then you know you mentioned luck a number of times, and you know I'm just wondering if you know there's if it if it's luck or if it is just that you have this positive mentality, you have this ability to um to go against the odds and you know when people you know like when you've got specialists who have studied for decades to be in a position where they're they're saying to you there's no hope mate you know mm. there's you it's terminal but there's just we'll just mm. run you through this process but at the end of the day yeah. it's just we're flogging a dead horse here you know like yeah. and you're going no let's there's a process here I'll I'll, yeah. I'll follow your process, but you know somewhere subconsciously your your body and your mind is going. No, we can beat this. You know, so there's yeah, yeah. there's uh, you, you said luck, but no, I'm wondering if you know if you look a bit deeper, you might see that there's there's there <clears throat> maybe there's something more to that as well. Because mm. that's hard. I like to, to I imagine like to, yeah. to sit in front of somebody and someone says, "No, nah, mate, like it's you know no, it's not going to happen. And you're going, no, mm. I'll, I'll stick to the process, mate. Well, something will happen. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it's about how you drive your own luck. So I think it is luck, but it's how you drive it. So if I had, a, for example, gone through that process or at any time in my life and just gone, oh, yeah, I'm stuffed. It's all over. And I, I reckon I did for a while, to be honest with you. I think most of June and half of July when my partner and I and and my mates um, were just amazing um, getting around me. Like one of my mates, he just kept saying, no matter what, mate, do not give up. You never know what might happen. Um, he's been my best mate for 28, 30 years. Just went up and saw him in Queensland. Um, and he just, no matter what. And I think if you if you dwell on things, then you can miss opportunities that can change your luck. Um, I suppose is what I mean by by the luck piece. Um, and it was just that literally after, you know, not even 24 hours, about 12 hours after finding out that news, I went, I woke up and I, and I can remember the doctor coming in and go, okay, mate, um, I want to talk to you about stuff. I go, yep, no worries. So tell me about it. What's it, what's it doing? Where, where is it in my lymph nodes? And, you know, I had a big lump here on the side of my neck and looked like, like he, um, had a bolt, bolt coming out of my, um, out of my, uh, out of my side of my neck. But, um, yeah, I think. I think you create your own luck and, and, and that's through the decisions that you make um, that drives that, that, that ability for 
you to change. And I think, you know, like with you, with what you're going through at the moment, I mean, there'll be elements of luck that things will just fall into place at the right time that will help you on that overall journey that you're currently taking from what you were doing to what you're doing now. So, Yes. Um, oh, yeah. That, and, yeah plus I'm a I agree. and plus I'm stubborn. Well, that, that helps too. That helps as well. Yep. Yes. Um, so, you know, obviously the last, um, what, the last 16 years um, since being a dad, um, yep. you know, you've got, you've gone through a bunch of adversity with your own health. Uh, mm. But meanwhile, you're, you're also, you're also raising a daughter, uh, mm. you know, that, that adds more stress, more challenge, you know, but a lot more joy and a lot more fun and, yeah. and stuff in your life as well. So as yeah. a, you know, when you're, when you're, you're going through your own stuff, you're, you're trying to raise a, raise a daughter. And, and also at the time too, you're, you're working as a bank manager or in the, in the bank yeah. space as well. Yeah. You know, so what was, what was that like juggling all of life's things? Um, you know, cause you know, when you think of, you know, like you just mentioned about me, but like, you know, you got a bunch of other guys, um, dads that are out there that are, mm. are doing, you know, the nine to five grind, but um, yeah. raising kids, but not mm. maybe not necessarily also, you know, uh, trying to survive literally on, on you know, mm. with the stuff that you're going through. So, you know, so yeah. how's that sort of go? How's that juggle go for you? Or how did that juggle go for you at the time? Look, like, like all of us. Um, you know, I have my good days, I have my bad days. Um, but I think one of the things that I've been uh, really good at doing is compartmentalizing things. So um, I don't worry about things until, well, that's, that's not true. I didn't used to worry about things until they happened. And I was very much the, the case of dealing with what was in front of me. Um, one of the things I can remember, um, we went to a sleep school because my daughter was struggling to sleep, my ex-wife and I. And um, and my ex-wife was trying to get my, our daughter to do something and she didn't want to do it. And, and then she just came over to me and she just started playing with blocks and I just started playing with, um, with the blocks with her because that's what she wanted to do. And um, the nurse at the time said, you know, you were really good at just being in the moment right then and dealing with this is what Kari wants to do so that's what I'll do that may not have been what we wanted her to do but that's what she wanted to do so um, I think the key for me is is whatever situation I'm in whether it's being a dad a stepdad a partner um, a, a, an employer an employee um, whatever the case may be is just being 100% present in that moment um, you know um, just as just simple things for me were um, when my staff would come in, I got feedback off my staff that I'd be sitting there looking at my computer screen while they were talking to me and they didn't feel like I was actually listening to what they said. So for me, it's very much about living in the moment, living in that particular moment and cherishing that moment because a couple of times in my life, you know, three or four times in my life, I wasn't sure how many more moments I was going to get. Um, so for dads out there, if you're, if you're with your kids, and you know you got your you got your kids for a weekend or a night or whatever the case may be. Make the most of that time. Make the, don't be on your phone. You'll be 
a week where you don't have your kids, where you can spend every minute of every day on your phone if you want to be. But really make the most of that. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to just shower your kids with every single gift and, oh, let's go and do this and let's go and do that. The best things I've found for, for my daughter um, was to just have routine. And by being in the moment and setting aside time to help her with her homework, setting aside time, if it's with my employee employees who were working for me at the time, to help them with what they needed or whatever, it might mean that I have to stop what I'm doing. But at that point in time, I treat that person that I'm dealing with as the most important person in the world and nothing else matters. Um, so that's the big takeaway for me um, with, with my daughter and managing my health and, and like my daughter still doesn't know what's happened the last um, to the to the depths of she doesn't know how close I was. I've never told her that I was told I had terminal cancer. She knows that I had cancer and she knows that I'm okay now, but she never knew I had terminal cancer. But every time I saw her in the back of my mind was how many more of these opportunities are we actually going to get? So, yeah, it's really about being present, being um, and just you know thinking back at what it was like when you were a kid and. You know, you're out playing in the street with your mates and you have no concept of time whatsoever, what's taken place, because you're that engrossed in what you're doing. Just do that with your kids, do that with your staff, do that with your friends. Um, because as I said, what, and it's just, you know, I, one of my mates again said, you know, the only difference between me, when I got the diagnosis, the only difference between me and any other person out there is, I've been told I've got 12 months, but he goes, I could go out and get hit by a bus tomorrow. So I should be making the most of every opportunity as you are. I should be doing the same with my kids now. So that actually changed the way he actually interacted with his kids um, a lot after my diagnosis. Yeah, I think that's, you know, when, when you hear people's stories uh, like yours and, you know, no doubt that when people listen to this, they're going to have that same kind of um, feeling and an energy within them to go, oh, I need to stop for a minute. You know, the chaos of the day, the stress of the workplace and, you know, the high demands and all that kind of stuff on our time. And everyone knows, you know, we're, we're constantly pushed from from every angle and pulled from every angle today's in today's society. You know, you've got the social media, you've got the phone on all the time. Anyone can contact you with emails, text messages, all those kinds of things. Plus, you're at the workplace and then you go home and you've got the family and all that kind of stuff. So... You know, it's yeah. like you said, you know, spot on. It's it's about creating that, you know, compartmentalizing those things. So when you're at work, you're at work doing that. When you're at home, you're at home doing that. When you're playing sports, you're doing that. And then, you know, that's, that's, a, that's you know, to go a little bit further than that, that's essentially when you're having those conversations with people and you're looking, you're looking to have that um, connection with them at that particular time um, and doing those activities, it's one, you know, it's, it's creating a mindful activity, you know, so you actually, your body's enjoying it, your mind's enjoying it. Mm. It's just focused mm. on that one thing. It's calm. Um, and, uh, and that other thing that I was going to say that I forgot about. Um, so it's, it's, it, I agree a hundred percent. It's, it's, it's spot mm. on. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that come out of that too, which I think, um, you may, you may have considered, um, or not, but you know, with all the, all the um, things we've talked about today already, but you know, when you're when you were doing that, 
with your staff, you know, having conversations with them, listening, taking that feedback, um, you know, being present with um, with your daughter and, and helping her with her homework and just being there, those kinds of things. And obviously your mates as well, you know, you're having plenty of good conversations with your mates and, you know, what's what what's legacy look like for you? Um, what does legacy look like for me? Um, it's actually, it's probably something that I, up until eight months ago, had not thought about at all. Um, for me, um, I think I just want to be known as someone who showed the people around him that he cared um, and that um, he loved them um, and that I was genuine. And if, if, if people can take that away with me, they go, do you know what? If he said he was going to do something, he did it. And if he said he was going to do something, he actually meant it. Um, and, you know, caring can come across in so many ways. Um, it can be intimate. It can be physical. It can be emotional. Um, it can just be picking up the phone and, you know, you hear it all the time. And I think um, I, think I heard... Uh, Nick mentioned it the other day that, you know, he's picked up the phone and spoken with a few people um, or you see something come through on on a, an email and or a text and you might go, actually, I'm going to pick up the phone and just call that person. And you're not doing it because you want to look good or you're not doing it. You know, you don't put a comment on the yarn barn because you want to look good. Most people who put comments on there actually care in some form. They may not, you know. Perfect example of, of that for me is um, yourself and Mike when I went through what I went through. Now, we've never met. I've met Mike, but you and I have never met, but we've known each other for about five years now. But you checked in on me um, for a good month every day without fail. Now, if you, don't show, if you don't care about someone, you can do that for a couple of days and then you just, you know, I, I'm, every time I speak to him, he says he's fine. Um, so that's for me, that's... That's really important because that's building connections with people and having relationships is really the key to life for me. Um, because you can you can impart knowledge, you can impart wisdom, you can impart your life learnings, or more importantly, you can just sit and listen and learn off other people by those connections. And that's so yeah, so caring, genuine, and and just know that that you know he he would do anything for me would be what I would want to be my legacy. I think that's, uh, I think if you're not there already, you're very, 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 very close to being all those things. Um, and you know, I think anyone that knows you, anyone that's, um, connected with you knows that about you. Um, and you know, I think I haven't, yeah, we haven't, met in person that's for sure um and i'm thinking this year is going to be yes. the year where we do it is um, it is what's um you know for the guys you know you've been in the, the the yarn barn for a while um i suppose two two part question um why are you in there and and secondly um you know what's what's for the guys that are maybe listening to this that are that are new to it um what what's what's some sort of I suppose guidance or s sort of ideas that you could have provide to them uh, to get the most out of it? Um, why? Um, because um, 
I could see the struggles I was going through as a single dad raising my daughter. My daughter was six when my ex-wife and I split up and I went from, and I was a pretty hands-on dad. I stayed at home dad for 18 months. Um, so um, I, I figured there had to be something out there um, where there was like people who were single dads or just dads in general, you don't even have to be a single dad, um, just to be a dad, um, that they were going through similar things that I went through. Um, I've got a really good close group of friends, um, but that said, I was single. They were all married or in relationships. And so I actually originally did it to go, hey, I might be able to, I'll do a bit of a search and see what I can find around that. And I just typed in dad's network. That's all I typed in into my search engine in Facebook. And ADN came in up. And I think back then it might have been less than a thousand people. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought, no, oh, yeah, I didn't know where it was based. I thought it was probably based in a capital city. Didn't thought, think it was based in um, outback Western Australia, that's for sure. Um, and, um, Shout out Karatha. Correct. Correct. Um, and, you know, I just joined it to go, hey, you know, I, I don't sleep much. I have about four hours sleep a night. So somewhere, somewhere, somewhere someone's going to be up and I can have a chat to them. And that was pretty much why I joined it. I didn't have any idea that it would actually be what it has been for me and and be what it is and what you've you've created. And this is not about blowing wind up your ass or anything like that. But, you know, for a bloke who was sitting around his computer one day and decided, oh, I need to help out the blokes in the local Pilbara area. So now, you know, I mean, I think I saw someone over in Iceland or over in the snow overseas somewhere with an Australian yeah, dad network uh, t-shirt on. Over in France, yeah. 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 And I'm like, wow, like, you know, that would just, I mean, that blew my mind, let alone what it would have done for you when you saw it. Um. And and then I remember you sent out an email or you posted something about, you know, looking to set up a committee. And I'm always one for getting on a committee. I love being on committees. Um, gives me something to do, gives me something to talk about. And I figured with my financial background um, and my general knockabout bloke background, I could probably add some value to the committee. Um, and it was also on very... <laughs> And, and it's been good now because I'm actually starting to get into it around giving back to the community. I've, I've, I've utilised a lot of services over the years with my health and I'm actually going to be able to start to give back to some communities with some volunteer work um, over the next 12 to 18 months with a couple of organisations or just in some discussions at the moment to lock in me being a part of those um, organisations probably two days a week. Um, but this was another way that I could do that was... Um, you know, I do say a lot, but I also do read a lot and do listen a lot. And I'll only give feedback to people um, if I think it would be value add to them. So that was why I got involved. Um, I think what what can people get out of it? It's like the old saying, you only get out of, out of it something what you put in. And that doesn't mean you have to comment. I've got mates of mine who have never commented on um, publicly on our forum, but we'll catch up. And they'll talk about it and they'll talk oh did you see the thing the other day on that and that's commenting isn't for everybody 
Being like Nick and I and sharing our life stories isn't for everybody. Some people are quite happy, and you know, it's great when you see a name that you haven't seen before and they'll put a, just a comment. And it's nothing too in-depth, but it's just a comment and it's say, hey guys, I'm here, I saw that, great topic, whatever. So, um, you know, if you've got something to add, add. Um, the old saying, you know, it's never a stupid question. It's it's never a stupid response to someone's question. There's never a stupid question to ask because mm. you never know that piece of advice that you give someone could help to turn someone's life around for the better um, by that connection that you've made with them. And as I said before, life's all about connections. So, um, you know, put into it what you want to put into it. Don't think because you see, you know, the same... 40, 50-odd blokes commenting all the time that you can't. It's not a yarn barn for 40 blokes. It's a yarn barn for 2,500 people and growing. And the more people contribute, and if there's things you want to see, like I threw out that thing the other day about there's plenty of single dads out there, you know, who may not really know how to cook that well or may not know how to cook at all. Um, you know, would doing videos help them? I've got plenty of free time now. I'm not working. So I can sit there and cook some basic meal it doesn't have to be as someone said you want it to be quick easy and something that's healthy for your kids so um you know come up with ideas of things you want to see if you if you feed that back through the channels there's a link there it goes through to i think it goes through to you um if you don't want to put it on a public forum or contact any of the um any of the members of the um the committee and we can raise that um because the more input we get the more ideas we get because that's what this whole this is what you started it for is for all of us so the more people who who have input the better off um and more value add we will be yep 100 percent love it and i love um that you know we've just started a new a new program inside the yarn barn cooking with andy Correct. so that's going to start in the next week or so. We'll yeah, just, uh, we'll week, just do not that. this week. No one no, wants to eat what no. I'm eating this week, so <laughs> we'll do that next week. Well, uh, yes, we'll, we'll we'll do that next week, and um, I'll I'll start mm. the the graphic design for some uh, some fun art for that, and we'll That'd get that great. up and running. Awesome. Um, I've got I've got two questions left. Um, one is uh, one is harder than the other. Uh, okay. So, the first one, we'll go with the hard one first. The first one is, so going through what you've been through in your life, you know, the um, the multiple times where, you know, your life could have ended and mm-hmm. we are talking today, what is the, what what is, what is next for Nandy? What is, what is the... You know, you talk about volunteering, you talk about working on committees and things, but, you know, what what's that sort of, if you were to just capture what the the, the next sort of chapter of your life is in, say, mm. you know, uh, a word or a few words, what, what does that look like? Um, the next, so my daughter's 16, she's about to start year 11. So I've really just focused on the next two years about um, connecting. So connecting with friends, connecting with family, connecting with those groups that I wanna I wanna support. Um, I'm in a unique position at the moment 
for at least the next two years where I don't have to work, um, financially stable. And so um, one of the things that when I was going through everything I went through um, was, and, and one of the one of the groups that I'm talking to does a lot with nurses. You know, everyone talks about the surgeons who did the transplant and, and you know, they're a massive part of your recovery. But at the end of the day, if it's not for the nurses who are at your bedside, um, because they see you for two months. They had to come in and see my ugly face for two months. The poor buggers, they should have got multiple pay increases just for that. Um, so uh, I wanna, I'm want i working with, my plan is to work with an organisation one day a week to help make them uh, more financially savvy and more financially better off. Um, an alarming stat that I heard the other day, nurses who are retiring at the moment, um, 80, uh, 80% of them only retire with $85,000 in the bank of their super, which is not much when mm. you retire at 65 to have $85,000 no. to live on. Um, so, yeah, so um, it's really about that. Um, being around for my daughter um, as she does year 11 and 12, my elder stepdaughter's about to do year, um, year 10, um, and the next one's doing year 8. And then my my stepson has got his last two years of primary school. Um, so for me, it's all about connections. And uh, I have a bucket list um, that I drew up uh, two days after I got the news. I've knocked 80% of my bucket list off. Um, so nice. my plan is over the next two years. Uh, and one of those things was to go and see yourself and um, Chris uh, and Sean. Yes. Uh, I've already met Sean. He was nice enough to, to fly over here and see me. Uh, but my plan is to come over to Perth as one of my bucket item lists and meet you guys. Um, and cool. miss um, Chris Pickett as well. Um, and so, yeah, that's the next two years for me. Post that, don't know. Um, don't know what that looks like. But um, if there's one thing I've learned, don't look too far in advance because you can waste a lot, a, lot, a lot of time planning on stuff that you may never get to achieve. So... Two-year plan at the moment, um, and um, yeah, living living the crap out of life, which we'd all love mm -hmm. to do, but unfortunately, having to earn income stops most of us doing that, and yeah. I don't have that now. Yep. So. Awesome. Um, that's also a bumper sticker, I reckon. You could do those and sell those. Yeah. Living the crap out of life. Hey, last question. Yes. Uh, and this is this is to you to you know to think. Um, I've asked a few questions, um, but have I missed anything? Is there anything that you want to share with anyone that's listening um, that I haven't haven't prompted or asked? Look, and it's a it's a it's a thing that we as blokes um, are not very good at doing by and large, and that is looking after our own health. Um, so I encourage everyone, yeah, I'll be surprised if there's another person on here who listens to this podcast who's had two double lung transplants, had half their stomach taken out, all that sort of stuff. But health is important and yes, it can be mental and it can be physical. Um, and it can be as simple as, so before we started this podcast, unfortunately at this week I'm having a diet of uh, white chicken, fish, chicken loaf, rice, and white bread because on um, Friday I'm going to have a colonoscopy. 
um, because I have a history of bowel cancer in my family. Um, and one of my mates said, that'll be right. After everything you've gone through, you'll end up with bowel cancer. Um, we're no longer talking. Um, so um, shout out to you, Paul, if you're listening. Um, but um, make sure you have regular health checks with your GP. Get a GP. Understand what your family health history looks like. Because time and time again, um, and this is not to get into a debate where people are having heart attacks and, and everyone's blaming it on COVID and all that sort of stuff, but um, a good friend of mine had a heart attack when he was 38 years old, didn't realise that his family had a history of, of um, heart conditions. So the biggest thing for me is um, look after yourself because if you can't look after yourself, you can't look after your kids, you can't look after your partner, you can't look after whatever the case may be. The old... Um, the old saying on an aeroplane, put your oxygen mask on first before you put the oxygen mask on those around you. Um, you're of no good to someone if, and you're of no, no good to your, your kids, your family, your parents, if you're sick or you are six foot under. So please take the time, make an appointment to see your GP just to get a general health check. They'll take some bloods, don't be a sook, um, if I can have what I've had over my life, you can go and have a single finger prick. Um, and if you can't, then feel free to come to my house and I'll give you a finger prick um, for some blood instead. Um, it's not that hard. It's not that um, difficult. And it could be something that actually saves your life. Well said, mate. Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure hearing your story. Really appreciate your time, and uh, and we are going to make sure that um, you're over in Perth, and we're all going to catch up. Um, For sure. We do have a big hub down in Perth, so we'll make sure that it's not just us all the time. We'll share your visit with with all the crew. Um, but awesome. mate, a, a ton of takeaways from this. I really appreciate your time, and uh, I know you're going to give a um, this will give a lot of value to the guys that are listening to it. So thank you very much, mate. And um, we'll talk to you really soon. Thanks, Liam. Thanks, guys. Take care.